Good morning, Exchange. Uh, yes, it is uh, good to see everybody, hear everybody, as Jesse said. Um, man, I don't know how uh, God communicates with you or what he has said to you this morning, but uh, it was very clear with me, even this morning, he said, don't you dare make this about you. And so I want to pray that. Will you pray, pray that with me? God, let this morning be about you. As we've already prayed, God, may, um, may Jesus be on display this morning. God, may it not be about me, may it not be about us, may it be about you. Open our ears, help us to listen, help us to hear you. We are waiting. Amen. Good morning. We are in Psalm 60 this morning. Uh, Brian did a fantastic job last week. As uh, Daniel said, we're starting our, our we're con- continuing our summer of Psalms. Uh, this summer, we're only doing like five Psalms. We're doing Psalm 59 through Psalm um, 63. And so if you've been with us for a long time, we, it's kind of just been a deal around here where we've always gone through Psalms during the summer. Uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. Uh, so we work through about six to eight Psalms or so every summer, and we have made it to Psalm 60. We've got a little ways to go, uh, but that's okay. I'm planning on being around for a while, and I hope you are as well. So Psalm 60, uh, this is, if you uh, are there in your text, uh, it's also on your device. If you're on the Version app, you can look up Exchange, and you can find all the, the notes there and the, um, the scriptures and all that. But I pray that you do have a copy of God's Word with you this morning. That's going to be um, the main the main character in this uh, in this story this morning. So Psalm uh, 60. Man, David writes this psalm. David is right in the middle of uh, a really dark place. This is the psalm, actually. We, we uh, asked some different guys to preach this summer, and nobody wanted Psalm 60. So I basically decided I'll take the one nobody wants. And uh, joke's on you, because this might be the best one. Uh, it's, it's incredible. So uh, but David is in this place where it's in the middle of a battle. Okay, it's not after the battle. It's not before the battle. It's right in the middle of the battle he offers this prayer. Man, that sounds like a lot of the songs we sang this morning. Like right in the middle of the storm, what are we singing about? What are we praying? What are we offering to him in the middle of it? Before we know the end of the story, right in the middle of the story, David offers this honest, raw prayer, this song. There's dark shadows around him. It's a lament. Um, And you get into verse one through three, and you kind of find yourself thinking like, are are we allowed to say these things? Like, how did this make it into the canon of scripture? Like, how did we not write this out? Like, are we allowed to say these things about God? And you see this real honesty, this real raw, um, emotion and experience that David is processing here. In verse one, it says, oh God, you have rejected us. What? That's in scripture? Is that true? Has God rejected him? You have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land a quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. Does that sound familiar? You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You've got a lot going on here. And Dave, you're like, whoa, dude, are you okay? Well, he's in the middle of it. And if we're honest, you've been in the middle of it. 
Right? You've been at this place where you say things to God that's like the journal that you don't want people to read. You have a journal like that? You're like, please, oh gosh, I hope I don't leave my journal at exchange. If somebody finds that, they're going to call somebody. You're like, burn that before I die. I don't want anybody reading what's in that journal. There's a little bit of what David's walking through here. So he's, all David's got is this prayer. Like he's literally up to this place where all he's got is this prayer to offer. It's his only hope. It reminds me of another story, a very formative story in my life. And you guys are familiar with this story. I know you are. You've heard the story before. It's about a young couple named Tommy and Gina. Tommy and Gina, you ready? Tommy used to work on the docks. Union's been on strike. He's down on his luck. It's tough. So tough. Gina works the diner all day. Working for her man, she brings home her pay for love. Mmm, for love. She says, we got to hold on to what we've got. It doesn't make a difference if we make it or not. You've heard this story. Good. We've got each other, and that's a lot. For love, we'll give it a shot. Whoa. (laughs) We're halfway there. Whoa. Oh. Living on a prayer. Take my hand, we'll make it, I swear. Whoa. Oh. You wanted to sing that so bad, didn't you? There's something wonderful here about Tommy and Gina. Right, I picture this like couple from, from Philly where, where uh, John Bon Jovi was, was from or is from. Uh, they ain't got nothing. Right? I picture this like Philly couple. It's like, yo, Gina. What, Tommy? You know. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't got nothing. Right? They're literally living, living on a prayer. It's all they've got, man. And this is the actual way to live real life. And it's the actual way that we actually live life. And whether you realize it or not, all of us are simply living on a prayer. So I want you to pay attention to what your heart just did when I said that. Some of you might be thinking, I'm not Tommy. I'm not Gina. I'm better than Tommy. I'm way better than Gina. Like, I don't, I don't work on the docks or work at a diner. I'm not working for, the, for, for, for my man. I'm not down on my luck. I'm not living on no stinking prayer. You hear your heart doing that? I'm better than that. I've got my life together. I've worked all these years up to this point to have my life where it's at so that I'm not having to live on a flimsy prayer. So that mentality right there, this is a gut check for me this week, that mentality right there may be the thing that keeps us from experiencing God like we could and should. We've misunderstood the incredible privilege of daily interaction with God, no matter where life has you. And we fool ourselves into thinking that God's role is to build us up to a point where we then depend less and less on him and more and more on ourselves. Isn't that crazy? We go to him so that he will build us up so that we need him less and we can depend on ourselves. Where the life of a Christian should always look like decreasing self-dependence. But we're literally living, living on a prayer. And this psalm, the rest of the psalm, and really the first three verses we've already read, are about coming messy. 
by coming messy to God. First point is this, man, God welcomes our honesty. Isn't that great news? That God welcomes our honesty? Like verse one through three, God's, God's not like, no, 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 don't put that in scripture. He says, keep that in scripture. You've made some accusations about me in here that we all know are not true. God's not like, correct that. You know that's not true, but he keeps it in there to show us that he wants us raw. He wants us to come to him honestly. There's rejection. He's talking about God breaking, um, breaking defenses, that God's got anger, that God's like making the land quake. He tore it open. Um, the land is tottering. And then you've made your people see hard things. Like you ever been at that place? You're like, God, why? Why am I walking through this? Why would I be right here in the middle of the battle? Why are you allowing and causing me to see hard, hard things? So you even start feeling that. And there's this wonderful realism with scripture here. It's just wonderful and real. And it's God saying, man, I, I actually allow that. I actually allow you to write the journal that you want no one to read. And a lot of times that can be your, your prayers. That space where there's reverence, but that space where you're like, God wants me to be fully honest with him. Um, but even though we know this isn't true about God, and David knows that's not true, but he's allowing him to say it. It's like the kid that you know, says to the, to the parent, like, you don't even care about me. He knows that's not true. But the parent allows him to say that because it's worth it for his emotional processing. The prayer, as Paul Miller says in A Praying Life, prayer is about coming messy. Prayer is about coming messy. Uh, this book, I really enjoyed this book by a guy named Brant Hansen called The Men That We Need. And uh, he shares a really helpful story in this book. Um, and he asks a really important question. He says, growing, growing up in the American church culture, I can never quite art articulate this question, but I was always wrestling with it. What in the world does God actually want from me? So you can just kind of think through that question. What in the world does God actually want from me? It was confusing because the answer seemed like a long, strange list. I mean, I was pretty sure he wanted me to share my faith, to share the good news. So that was it. And that's what, that was what he wanted. But I was also pretty sure that he wanted me to read the Bible. So those two, two things, evangelism and reading the Bible, uh, were, what I, were what I needed to, to concentrate on. Wait, prayer's, prayer, that's really important. So really it's three things. It's three things that God wants from me. Well, also giving to the poor and that sort of thing. Maybe I, can, I could combine that with being an activist for the right causes. So four things, four things, just the big four. We'll, we'll just work on the big four. That's what God wants from me. Ah, also serving the church as a volunteer in some capacity and giving money to the church. And there's, so there's, there's a couple more. Plus I should join a small group. Community is important. Singing worship songs with people and listening to sermons are both big. Uh, so those two things are vital too. Don't forget those. Plus getting baptized and communion and also attending Sunday school and extra services for Easter. So I think we're around 13 so far. So just concentrate on the 13 big things. And wait, there's fasting. I think we're supposed to go without food. God wants that, I think. So just concentrate on the 14 big things. Well, there's also con confessing sin. So yeah, the 15 big things. Plus also help out at a soup kitchen. So you find yourself like, what is it exactly that God wants from me? And he offers a really helpful quote in this book I want to give, give you this morning. Uh, it says, God is looking for the real you to be loyal to the real him. What God's really looking for 
is the real you to be loyal to the real him. What he actually wants is not uh, what you do, but your heart. Like he doesn't go through the list of the 15 and say like, this is if you just keep all these, what he really wants is your allegiance, your loyalty to him, to keep coming back to him no matter what. That's what we see here. That's what we see all through the story of Job is a guy who keeps coming back to God no matter what. David keeps coming back. He keeps interacting. What God wants from us is interaction. That's what you want from the people that you love, right? You don't want them to go and figure it out and then bring it back to you and impress you with how awesome they are. You want interaction. And so what we're seeing here in this psalm is this is a psalm is David who's interacting with God. And I just want to free us up this morning to say, let's interact with God because he wants you. We, we prayed that this morning. Think, of, think about that. He doesn't need you. But he wants you. You know you. You know you. Would you want you? Sometimes not so much. But God wants you. He doesn't even need us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, but he wants us. And so he wants loyalty and pursuit and interaction. He wants the real you with the real him. And so then he gives us the big 15. So the big 15 is not necessarily something he wants from us. He gives that for us because those things are ways to interact with him. So they are gifts. They shouldn't be a list, checklist that bog us down. Does God need our money? Does God need our tiny little offering, our little tithe on Sundays? No, he doesn't need that. He's got everything he could ever need and want. But yet he says, let me inter- let, I'm going to let you interact with me. I'm going to let you have an experience with me. So God pursues us and wants us to interact. He wants the raw us. And so what I'm trying to say is that I hope these verses, these three verses, invite you into a space where you don't feel like you have to like clean it up and give God the polished version of you as though you can fool him. Prayer is an invitation to come in messy and to come in raw and even to say the things in some sense, that might not even be true. You're not going to scare him. He can handle it. He's going to correct you. He's going to help you and say, yeah, yeah, I hear that. The rest of the psalm is, now let me shift. Let me show you. I hear that. Be with me. You be real. And I will shift and show you. So here's what I, what I want to do even right now in the service, as opposed to waiting until the very end. I want you to think, what's the thing I want to say to him? What's the thing right now where you're like, God, I'm in the middle of something right now. I'm in the middle of a battle right now. And there's just something that I don't know if I'm allowed to say that to God. I want to give you a moment, even right now, to let it fly. Say that to him. Again, he's not going to run away. He's not scared of your, of your 
processing. He's not scared of your pain. He's not scared of your emotion. He wants all of that. He says, be raw. It's okay. You can come on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a second. If you want to write it down in your notes app or whatever, if you want to write it down with a little pen, pencil, or you want to type, type that down, or you just want to pray right now and just pray it to him. Tell him the thing that you're scared to tell him. I'm just going to give you a minute now to just do that. Tell him what you need to tell him. So that, that opportunity is there every day, all day. Not even just in your quiet time or whatever you want to call that. That opportunity is all throughout the day at stoplights, in the middle of a work day, on a coffee break, driving on the road, before bed. That opportunity is always there. He's inviting us to interact with him. Does your relationship with the Lord just feel stale? You ever been in that place where you're like, man, I just, I don't know. I just hope, like, I hope this Sunday, like, pumps me up. Hope, like, it challenges me and, like, moves me forward. It's like, man, six days a week, seven days a week, we've got this opportunity to interact in a really raw, personal way. None of what you said, none of what you wrote threw him off this morning. He loved it. He says, give me more of that. Look at this turning point, verse 4. This is awesome. He shifts and says, you have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow, that your beloved ones may be delivered, give salvation by your right hand, and answer us. There's this turning point. It says, you have set up a banner. The point is this, through, through it all, his banner yet waves. So that reminds me of another song, a little better song than Bon, bon Jovi's song, a song that goes like this, oh say does that star-spangled banner yet wave, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Do you know the history of that song? 
Uh, if you don't, uh, I'll give you a quick little run through the history of that song, which we've all sung before, tried to sing, or sung along with somebody else. Uh, David Mathis, uh, in, a, in a book I was looking at, he, he, uh, he gives a good little summation of the history of it. He says, these, these lines written by Francis Scott Key were not penned in the aftermath and victory of the Revolutionary War or after World War II, which you might imagine in the moment of victory. Key's poem hails not from one of America's highest times, but one of its lowest. The star-spangled banner he saw was not a symbol of American dominance, but of mere survival in one of the darkest moments. Key's poem was written in the midst of a war that Americans today don't talk much about, Mr. Madison's War of 1812. The President and Congress responded to Great Britain's mistreatment of American ships and sailors on the high sea by making a land grab at Canada. It wasn't pretty. At many junctures, it proved humiliating. In August of 1814, the British sacked and burned the nation's new capital named Washington City, including the White House and the U.S. Capitol. But at that point, the real prize for the British would be Baltimore, just 40 miles away. The Battle of Baltimore came two weeks later. America was weak and vulnerable on its heels. Um, Francis, Francis Scott Key witnessed the, bom- the bombardment of Fort McHenry two weeks later anticipating another devastating loss for America. But through the night, by the light of the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, he caught glimpses of the banner still flying. Not as a symbol of American dominance and strut, but of mere survival under great affliction. The flag was still waving. The flag still waving was a sign that hope was not yet forsaken. Despite the odds, the fort and its weak nation still endured as long as the banner yet waved. Mathis goes on to say, so too Psalm 60 mentions a banner, banner in verse 4, as a, high, as a sign of survival and a place to fall back and flee in devastation. When the invading army is advancing and routing the front lines, as the tides of defeat rise around them, survivors, surviving soldiers Turn to look for the banner. Where's the banner? A place to return and regroup, to escape and fight another day. While the banner still flies, hope remains, even as the odds mount. So this passage, he says, you have set up a banner for those who fear you. In whatever the thing that you even just prayed, you should be looking around. You open up your eyes and you say, where's the banner? Where's the banner and is it still, is it still waving? The banner... It's not a national flag, obviously. The banner is God himself and his faithfulness and his goodness, which we've just sung about this morning. It's his faithfulness and his goodness and his promise to never abandon us. The psalmist is saying, like, have you abandoned me? No. The answer is no, he hasn't abandoned. Look at the banner. The banner says, I've always been there, and yet it still waves. The banner means everything. Last night, uh, I was at a baseball game, and uh, the young woman that sang the Star Spangled Banner, she just crushed it. Just crushed it. She may have been like a teenager. I don't even know. She was really young, but she crushed it. You know, I'm standing there, and you look around the crowd, and I, you start getting goosebumps for a song about your country, right? And that's, that's good. And you look around, you see people mouthing the words, and you see tears like, what's happening there? We're singing about this banner. 
right? And I think it's good to feel that way. Um, but I do want to say this. I think we sing banner songs here on Sunday morning, right? Some of those songs we just sang, those are banner songs. And I wonder, when I look around, I'm like, man, are, are we mouthing the words? Are we singing along? Do we get chills thinking about the banner still waving of God's faithfulness in whatever I'm walking through? Man, I hope you sense that. I hope you don't just come here because of an obligation or you feel like you have to. I hope you wake up on Sunday mornings thinking, man, we're going to sing banner songs this morning. And I need my fellow citizens around me, citizens of heaven around me to sing banner songs with and for me, as Jesse always says. So there's this rush of hope that fills you when you hear that his banner yet waves. You realize our lives, our hope, our joy depend on his banner still waving. Man, he will never, ever forsake you. No matter what. I know it might feel like that. The psalmist is saying things, it seems like this. It seems like this, yet you have set up a banner for those who fear you so that we might not run from God, but that we might flee to it. And then he says that your beloved ones may be delivered. So he hasn't left them, right? Here's a very intimate thing here. Your beloved, there's this relationship. God's not gonna abandon, he's gonna deliver, he's gonna rescue his beloved ones. You're part you're in Christ, you're part of the beloved. It's incredible. You're part of the beloved. And so we're more dependent than we like to imagine or admit. That's the last point here this morning. We are more dependent than we like to imagine or admit. Again, back to, back to Tommy and Gina, right? You may have been offended at that. I'm comparing you to Tommy and Gina. You're like, I'm better than them. Here's a little pep talk. We're like in the locker room together. You don't got this. That's my pep talk. You don't got this. All the stuff that you're facing, all the stuff I'm facing, you don't got this. You don't got this. We're way more needy and dependent than we like to imagine or even admit. But here's what we do have. We don't got this. Here's what we do have. Verse 6. God has spoken. It's incredible. It's like he breaks through. God has spoken in his holiness with exaltation. I will divide up Shechem and portion out the vow of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbasin. And Edom, I cast my shoe over Philistia. I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city and who will lead me to Edom? Have you not re rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. Oh, this is the prayer. Oh, grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. Another way to interpret that or translate that is you don't got this. Vain is our own effort. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is who? He, not you, who will tread down our foes. The banner still waves, and he says, come to me in total, utter dependence. This is where the victory is found in verse 12. 
With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who treads down our foes. So we have, in verse six, we have his word. What do we have? We have God has spoken. We have God has spoken. And this is, this is uh, almost the same psalm as Psalm 108. And this is like a foretelling or it's like, it's like an oracle of what's coming ahead of like, God's going to make all of these, these places his. They're his. He's already won the battle. He's already won. It's going to happen. He says, that is mine. That is mine. That is my helmet. That's my scepter, my wash basin. God has spoken. So my, my, my question is, what is your relationship with God has spoken? Meaning, God has spoken. And so, I mean, how, how well do you know this? I'm not, I'm not asking you if you've memorized the New Testament or memorized the book of Romans. What I'm asking is, like, do you know this in an intimate way? Like, do you know, you know this? Like, you know a friend. Like, you know a spouse. You know this. Do you want to know this? It's not, we're not doing Bible drill. We're not doing like who knows the most around here. It's not about what you know. It's do you know this? Do you have relationship with this? Because when you're in it, when you're in the, the battle, in the middle of it, right, and you're praying these raw things to God, we've got to have something where God says, and I have spoken. And it comes in just like a fresh lemonade in summer when it's July and it's burning hot outside. Uh, this week, uh, my family, most of my family was in Costa Rica on the trip with Daniel and the guys. And um, So I had a week with my seven-year-old uh, daughter, Annie, which is just incredible. So she's given me all sorts of sermon fodder for the week. Um, but we had a moment where it was like day three, I think, and uh, Annie saw uh, her mom, Katie's big Bible sitting over by the couch. And she goes, oh no, mommy left her Bible. And I was like, well, I'm sure she took a smaller one. She took like another one. She goes, okay, okay. Because I know she can't make it like one day without that. And part of, part of it's like, oh, that's not a knock on Katie, right? It's not a knock on Katie. That's a, acknowledgement from a seven-year-old of my mom's really dependent. I'm supposed to have security in my mom knowing everything and being everything and being awesome all the time. But I'm actually recognizing, she wouldn't put it like this, I'm actually recognizing that my mom is very dependent. Something in that book she needs there's no cameras on. Nobody's watching her. I don't take records and check marks of mornings that she does Bible study. It's just a real dependence. If I don't have this, I can't function in the day because she's a realist. She knows what the day holds. You know what your day holds. I know what my day holds. I know what my life holds. I don't know what my life holds. So I need this. Can I make it a day without this? Can you make it a day without this? Do you try to make it a day without this? If you do, you're saying, I don't need this. 
God says, or this scripture here says, God has spoken in his holiness into the midst of our unholiness. Uh, this week we went to, if you haven't had a chance, I'd recommend it, uh, took Annie to the Dorothy Dix Park where the, the sun, sunflowers have all come out now. It's this massive field of sunflowers down the city of Raleigh. It's really pretty. It's amazing. Uh, but it rained really heavy the day before, and so that was Friday, I believe, uh, we went. And, you know, sun, sun, sunflowers are incredible. They're amazing because they, they face the east, right? They face the rising sun. And they're just like, just give me that sun. Like, I need it. It's like they're just like, oh, you know. And so we're walking through this huge field of sunflowers. And Annie's funny. She goes, I was like, Annie, I was explaining to her how, like, they follow the sun and stuff and how they're just, like, very open to it. And, uh, and she said, what's that one doing? One sunflower turned the other direction. Just one. And I was like, well, Annie... Gave her like one of those like adult moments, you know. I was like, Annie, there's, he thinks he can do it on his own. That little sunflower thinks he can do it on his own. And he wasn't looking as good as the rest of them. I was like, there's always one, Annie, who thinks they can do it on their own. It's called solar tracking. I read a lot about it. <laughs> it's solar tracking. It's pretty cool. And really the flower is just attentive to the source of life. And giving credit where credit's due. Are you, are, you, are you ever guilty of like spiritual plagiarism? You quote him, but you don't give him credit for it? Or you think you can turn the other direction and still flourish? Still thrive? In the midst of a field of thriving sunflowers, you say, I'm going to do it different because I got this. He says, God has spoken. I've given you the word. That's not a guilt trip this morning. What that is, is that's an invitation into people in this room have relationship and they can't live days without this. We would love to help you figure out how you can do that. Not so you can be as awesome as somebody else in this room, but so that you can enjoy, right? You can enjoy the privilege of being with him and learning from him and him giving you the strength and uh, know-how to face a day. So we have his word. We also have his power. Verse eight, right? It says, Moab, this is a fascinating verse. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe. I think that's funny. That was like a sign uh, back in the day of removing a sandal was a gesture of conquest. It's pretty cool to think like God just looks at a nation and just throws his shoe at it. Again, it's like Annie saying, there's a cricket over there. And I just say, shoe, smash. You know, some of y'all might let the cricket go. I'm sorry. Uh, but I smash it. I just throw my shoe at it because the shoe is bigger than said cricket. God, no matter what the thing is, he says, I'll just throw my sandal at it. It's an entire nation. It's massive. So you look at your, whatever you're facing, whatever your issues are, whatever that like mountain is in front of you, and God says, I've got a sandal. I've got a shoe. Have you asked me? Can you depend on me? Throw my shoe at it. Verse 9, 11, who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? Do you not go forth? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. Oh, again, the prayer. Grant us help against the foe. This is this cry of desperation, of uh, dependence. He's saying we dare not go forth in our own strength. We dare not go forth in our own strength. For vain is the salvation 
of man. Our own effort is so vain. And I know you've experienced that. I know I've experienced that all the time. You just try and muster it up and just be awesome enough. And it's just so incredibly vain. And then verse 12 says this, with God, that word, man, you can do an entire study of the Bible from cover to cover about the word with. With God, we shall do valiantly his presence. So we have his word, we have his power, we have his presence. If God is against us, then we have no hope. If God is against us, then we have no hope. But if God is with us, oh man, oh man, the hope that that opens up. We shall do valiantly. Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Apostle Paul. If God is for us, who can be against us? John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. That little sunflower turned the opposite direction. It's trying to do something. It will soon realize it can do nothing apart from him. Psalm 56 um, Psalm 56, what verse are we at? Eight, I believe. Uh, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in a bottle. If you want to go back and listen to that sermon last summer. Um, tears in a bottle, are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Do you know that? This I know that God is for me and with me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. Uh, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? There's this sense of when in his presence, when God's with us, we have victory. Without God's mercy, grace, and help, we're doomed to fail. We're way more dependent than you could ever begin to imagine or even admit, but it would help to admit it. Even in confession, even in prayer to say, God, I need you. I need you so bad today, and I'm gonna demonstrate that by how I lay myself in front of you and how I commit myself to you and how I commit myself to community and realize I don't have this and I need people beside me. There may be even something you prayed this morning or wrote down this morning that maybe the Lord's saying, you gotta tell somebody else about that. They need to, they can walk with you. Part of being dependent on him is saying, is trusting that God's given us a community of people who we can trust and walk along with. So depending on him actually means he allows you to depend on others. What a gift, right? What a gift. This is an incredible quote. I don't have it on the screen, but um, it might be a good prayer to pray this week. Jesus, apart from you, we can do nothing. Jesus, apart from you, we can do nothing. And apart from you, we don't want to do anything. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And apart from you, we don't want to do anything. Man, I'm so guilty of just trying to move forward without him. I know you are as well. What, but, but why would you want to do it without him? Even our own hearts right now are messed up and we say like, this, okay, so I know I have to like get, I have to like pray first and then like move forward in my day and like ask him and then move forward. But it's like, no, he's inviting us saying like, want to move forward with you. And you get to move forward with, with me. Why would you want to step foot into tomorrow without him? Why would you want to step forward into work, all the things that happen in your workplace? Why would you want to step forward in parenting decisions 
Step forward in ministry. Step forward in finances. Step forward in da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da without him. Because with God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. He is the one who has already won. He's already won. He is where the victory is to be found. I remember this, this week as well, another Annie story. Uh, we're going out of a restaurant, and there's one of those big glass doors, and she tried to push the door, and she just did this, and the door's just not moving. And I just wasn't even thinking. I just kind of come up and push it open. You know, and she goes, oh, that was, that was embarrassing. It's like she recognized her lack of strength in that moment, and I feel like all the time I'm just like, this is life. And God's just like, I got it. You just asked me to open the door for you. I got it, man. Uh, this week, uh, a couple of nights ago, I was talking with a woman who I don't know super well, but she's an inspiration. Um, she's very sick, and uh, she had just kind of walked through a challenging week. And um, I was talking to her about kind of how the week went, and she said, you know, I can't, with this, like, look on her face, I don't expect Somebody that's walking through what she's walking through to look like this, especially at an airport at two, at two in the morning. She said, you know, I can't begin to describe to you the peace that I have when I fully depend on Jesus. She said, you know what? I can't imagine living this life without Jesus. And I don't know her well, but I know that's true. In her life. And that's what she's going to bank on the rest of her days. So we live in dependence. So today you have an opportunity to even share that with somebody else, uh, to pray through some of those things. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe um, God's just saying like, hey, today let's, let's do this. I'm inviting you to be real. Okay, I want you to talk to somebody about that. You don't have to go into all the detail, but maybe you know, we have prayer partners that are going to be in the back uh, as we sing this last song. Maybe you just need to step in the back, connect with one of them. Uh, all they're going to do is just pray for you. But you just come to them and say, hey, uh, maybe this is, this is what I prayed about this morning when we had that little prayer time. This is, what it's, this, this, this is what I wrote down. This is where I need to be dependent on him this week. Tommy and Gina were right. Like I'm living on a, a prayer. Will you pray that prayer with me? That's all we got. Let me read the lyrics of the third song, or the third song I want to um, reference today. It's a song we're about to sing. And it's perfect. So thankful for Jesse and the team. They always just plan this. The Spirit plans it so perfectly. Um, it says, there's peace that outlasts darkness, hope that's in the blood. There's future grace that's mine today that Jesus Christ has won. So I can face tomorrow for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need you will provide just like you always have. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I don't know what, you, what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. There's mercy in the waiting, manna for today. And when it's gone, I know you're not. You are my hope and stay. When the sea is raging, my, your spirit is my help. He'll fix my eyes on Jesus Christ, and I'll say that it is well. Oh, I know that it is well, because I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. 
You're my savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Father, that's our prayer this morning. And what we rest in is that you invite us in as we are and lead us forth as we could never be without you. God, you've already won. You've given us the victory. So God, I pray this morning that as a people, as we sing this song, that this would be a banner song. That God, we would sense this, we would feel this as a banner song, that it would be true. It would lead us forth in victory from today. God, for those of us this morning that just need to step in the back um, and spend this time praying with somebody, just asking for prayer, acknowledging dependence, God, would you move them even now? Would there be an outpouring of your spirit even now as he leads people to a place of dependence, the place that you want us and welcome us? We can't believe you love us, especially as well as you know us. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.